But in Grand Rapids, of course, I was, like you say, homeschooled and all my friends were at church, to the public school, and my sister and I were the only kids in the church. Church of about 25. I was, I was the only kid I knew of in the county, besides my sister, that was trying to live the Christian faith, that was trying. It was so incredibly lonely. I don't know if I can explain to you how lonely that was. One time, when I was probably in 7th or 8th grade, my parents took us down, well, it's my dad, was like the youth pastor, and we had collected enough kids to kind of almost fill a minivan by then for the youth group, and they were all older than me, and of course, I knew stuff about them. <laughs> you know, you're in school together, you know who's trying and who isn't. But So we, we went down um, to uh, the state teen Bible conference. I don't know if you remember when uh, Grand Rapids Baptist College used to host the state teen Bible conference, but that was a long time ago. And there was some kind of an altar call, and I remember going forward and sitting with a youth pastor that I knew that had brought a group down from a church about two and a half hours north of us. That was the closest youth group that I knew of. Legit youth group where they had kids that were trying to follow Jesus. Two and a half hours north, and I remember just weeping. Just ugly cry. Now in my family, men don't cry. I mean, you might gnaw your hand off, but you don't cry. We stuff. I'm kind of joking, kind of not. You know, like, I, we don't cry. And I remember just ugly cry, just like weeping in front of this guy and a couple other people, and just uncontrollably, and him just saying, like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I just feel so alone. Like, I don't have any help. Like, I just, I'm all by myself. One of the things my parents really did right was get me to the state team Bible conference so I could look around and see I'm not alone. Another thing they did right is make sure I always went to camp so I would know I'm not alone. Like they, they really tried hard to obey God's call on their life to go and pastor this church, but also kind of keep their kids knowing they're not alone. Are you alone? Sometimes people make the choice to be alone. For different reasons. Maybe it's because of what happened in your past. Maybe it's because of what's going on right now. People just make a choice to not let anybody else in. Sometimes it's not on purpose. Sometimes it's just kind of a default setting that you're alone. You alone? I'd like to talk to you about that this morning, about being alone and deciding not to be alone. I'd also like to talk to you about kingdom good, you know, about when we decide not to be alone, then we can cooperate together in kingdom good. And I'd like to talk to you about how kingdom good can wear you out and exhaust you and how, how to endure when you're tired from doing kingdom good and suffering for doing kingdom good. So that's the plan this morning as we talk about making a choice to not be alone.
because of Jesus' work. Let me pray before we jump in. Lord, I pray that you would help us open up to hear your word, that we would just kind of relax some of the guards we have up, relax some of the worries that we have. You just help us settle down and just hear your word. Lord, I pray these things. Asking you to stand in front of me while I'm in front of them and talk over me while I talk to them. I pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're doing a series in Revelation, which is about what you need to know about God to run the whole race and finish well. So here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. There's a lot in that verse, and we're going to come back to it. I'm going to read it again, just because I want you to feel that the weight of what John says. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation. In case you're wondering, you're not supposed to do this alone. John is on the island of Patmos writing to them, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos. So if you have a, I don't know if you can see that or not, but you can see the island of Patmos is right there. Uh, this would today be Asia Minor, but in Bible times it was called Asia. It was on the island called Patmos. Why are you there, John? Are you on vacation? No, he is exiled there on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Because he was doing kingdom good, preaching the word, he was exiled to the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, one of the first references to Sunday worship, because they're celebrating resurrection on Sunday, and so they would host Sunday worship. And I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, saying, write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches. Now, if, I mean, you can follow along in your Bible if you want to check and make sure I'm not making up a church or leaving out a church, but otherwise, if you're not worried about that, like, look and see where these are on the map. To Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Do you see how these are in a circular route, like you would carry mail? They're probably on a mail route or a um, trade route. And so this is a logical order for them. It's also the order that we'll see that they're addressed um, in chapters 2 and 3. Here's what I want you to know about God. From this. The one big truth you must have about God from this is that God gave us each other. So when you think about Kent's question, and I, I was sitting up here in the front, so I didn't turn around, but from your laughing, I guess I got it. You know, like he asked men, How many of you have had a significant conversation this week? And evidently, not too many of us raised our hands. Like I say, I didn't turn around, but like, 
doesn't that seem kind of broken to you? Like, even if you're one of the person that didn't, re- like, doesn't that seem broken? To not, to not have a significant conversation for a week or a month? God gave us each other. And this is why it's, the book of Revelation is written to seven churches, not all the scattered individuals. Because it's written to us. It's written to a church. So God gave us each other. And you see this in the seven churches. You also see this in what John writes here at the end of verse 9. But I'll read the whole thing. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. So how do you get in Jesus? Well, look up at verses 5 and 6. So back up to chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. How do you get in to Jesus? Well, you get in by surrendering to him as Lord. That He is the king, uh, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth and he is the firstborn of the dead. He is Lord. He is the faithful high witness that controls the narrative. This is everything we talked about last week. And receiving him as Savior, that he died for our sins, washes away all of our sins. And so once we surrender to him as Lord, receive him as Savior, then we're in Jesus together. And because we're in Jesus together, John can write that he is their brother. I am your brother. So we're brothers and sisters in Christ because we both surrendered to Jesus as Lord and received him as Savior. So he's saying, you are not alone. I am with you as your brother. I'm suffering too. He's exiled on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, like, I am sharing in this with you. In fact, that's what he says next. I'm your partner. So I'm going to annoy you with the Greek just for a minute here. So if you're mad about this, it's probably the person sitting next to you that likes the Greek. So some of you like it, some of you hate it. Just be patient, it won't be long. So the, the red words there are, uh, mean with, of course. It's a preposition. And then the blue word is a noun, um, even though I have to share as like being a verb. But that's, it means like what's in common so Koine Greek is like the common Greek. It's the Greek that everyone speaks. Like you'd have maybe, you could use the same word, the Koine English. Like you can go a lot of different places in the world and find someone somewhere that speaks a common English. Um, it's a word for sharing. So what John is saying is, you are not alone. I am your brother and I am sharing in this with you. Well, what are you sharing in this with us, John? In tribulation in the kingdom, and in patient endurance. We are in this together. So, why did God give us each other? Well, this is what we just talked about, how we are in this together in being persecuted for the faith. So, you just have to know when you're being persecuted for your faith, or when you're being marginalized, or left out, or shunned because of what you believe, you are not alone. No matter how alone you feel, you are not alone. 
You are not alone. Sometimes I have to believe in high school, middle school, college, if you say, I believe what the Bible says about basic biology. I think people are going to look at you like you're a knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing, thick-skulled, narrow-minded, cave-dwelling, fearful, hateful Christian that hates having fun. And if you're going to have people look at you like that, you need to know you're not the only one. You are not alone. Like, I'd love for our young people to know that they're not alone and know who each other are. A friend of mine works for a big corporation in Grand Rapids. He and I, he's one of the people that when I think of, did you have a real conversation with someone this week? I think, yep, I had a real conversation with him. We have a phone call every Thursday. He and I, uh, he was telling me one time, Every time I go to an inclusivity training, I feel more excluded. Sometimes it's your own family, right? Your own family is like, you actually believe the Bible, you're actually trying to do it, they make you feel like you're living backwards, and you're bad at life, and why are you even trying to do this to us? And you need to know that you're not alone, even when it's your own family, you're not alone. This is why we need each other. This is why we depend on each other. It's why we partner with each other. We think of each other as brothers and sisters and partners that share with each other. So here's my question as you, as you kind of think about this. Does anyone know what you're going through? As you think about what you're going through, does anyone know what you're going through? And if, and if no one knows what you're going through, Can you say that you're living out what you know is true about being brothers and partners in Christ? Does anyone know what you're going through? If not, I, I just in, encourage you to lean into friendships where you can eventually share what you're going through. Might not be a great idea just to say, you know what, no one knows what I'm going through, so... As an application of this sermon, I feel like Nathan wants to post. You know, Nathan wants me to post what I'm going through on Facebook. And so, you know, tomorrow on Facebook, we see these long paragraphs of what you're going through on Facebook. So all your friends can know what you're going through. Nope, that's not what I mean. You probably knew that, though. Like, but have friends here that you can trust enough to know what you're going through. Does anyone know what you're going through? And do you know what they are going through? Okay, so number one, God gave us each other. Why? Well, I, John, your brother and partner, like we are together. We are brothers in this. We are partners in this because we're in Christ, in tribulation, and in the kingdom. So in kingdom good, we are brothers and partners. We share in kingdom good as well. Okay, so think about what is kingdom good. Well, what do we mean by kingdom good? Well, I think of just last week. You know, you saw all the kids up here. And you think, man, no one can do that alone. 
No one can, like, help all those kids, get all those kids all by themselves. It's not any one person's effort to put all those kids... Think of how much, how many volunteer hours and how many people had a hand in the programming that is represented in all those kids. Everything from people running nurseries so that moms can volunteer, to check-in tables, to organizing the shirts, to building and setting up the steps, to, I mean, just how many, how many people were involved in that? So many. And this is, this is part of why you participate is because those programs help that your kids know they are not alone in their faith. Not alone. I think back to our year-end offerings. I had the staff come up to the front and show them the video again of when I got to give uh, a $37,000 check to Positive Options. And we were all kind of, except for me, everyone was kind of tearing up. I had gnawed off hand, half my hand because I'm emotionally stunted. Um, so $37,000. Let me tell you, I got to hand them the check, but I did not do that alone. I promise you. We gave, but we did not do it alone. You participated in it. I think there were about 60 giving units involved in that. We do this together because we can do more and better stuff together. This is kingdom good. I had the staff watch this video too. This is from the previous year when we got to give Bubba and Tammy a check for $43,000. Brendan got to give them a check for $43,000. And they're like, this means that when it rains outside, it won't rain inside anymore. We won't have to move the bunk beds so people don't get rained on while they're sleeping anymore. We're going to have a decent roof, and we'll get some other stuff done, and we're going to do kingdom good in, among the poorest of the poor in the nation. This is not something Brendan did alone. He didn't even make the trip alone. Kevin went with him. <laughs> praise God. Yeah, he says, praise God. He might... It's good to do this together. It's, it's vision. It's like this is kingdom good to work on this stuff together. It's not good to be alone. It's not good to do ministry alone. It's good to do ministry together. I think of like one more example. I think of the building that we're sitting in right now. No one person built this building. I mean, you know that. Like, some of you are here. I, I still, even people that don't go here anymore, that haven't gone here for 20 years, will tell me, I used to go to that church, and I remember when we were planning, and I remember when we were dreaming, and I remember, like, th no one person did this. There are some people that did more than others, but there is at, lots and lots of people helped pull this off, and we are still benefiting from it. How many years later, kingdom good is still being done? And how many years from now will people benefit from the sacrifices that were made of people pulling together and working together for kingdom good? 
So here's my question for you. How are you partnering in kingdom work? How are you partnering in kingdom work? Are you, are you trying to do kingdom work alone? And like, I, I can do this by myself. Man, I just tell you, that is not how Jesus did it. Jesus was always with his disciples, and when he sent his disciples out, he almost always sent them out two by two. Almost always. When the Apostle Paul was traveling, almost always had a companion. Like, I, I can think of a couple times he was in jail by himself, and then he didn't want to be alone, but he was in jail alone and couldn't help it. Like, how are you partnering with people, whether positively, like, oh, no, I like to do ministry alone. Well, I'd really encourage you to do ministry with somebody else. Really, really, really. Also, like, are you participating in church life? Like, are you serving in church life? Do you have a place and a way that you're plugging in and serving? You know, and I, can, I want to talk about this and kind of push on this right now because right now we are not desperate for helpers because Liz figures out the children's programming in the fall and she'll be desperate for help then. But right now we're not desperate. Right now we kind of have the calendars made. Awana just kind of wrapped up, so we kind of have that set. The nursery, it's like the calm before the storm. We have a bunch of babies coming, but right now things seem to be Okay. But I just push on you, like, so, so that we're, you know, this isn't about Nathan just trying to guilt us, okay? This is about Nathan saying, are you participating in church life by serving? If not, man, please find a way in. Please serve for your sake, for our sake, for the kingdom's sake. Are you serving? Are you giving? It's never too early to start giving. Like, I, I remember my parents just taught me to tithe from the time I was young and just modeled that, taught it to us. So, like I've told you before, if I got 10 ones for my birthday, gave one of them to church. I mean, it's just, it's just modeled. I got my first paycheck. I don't remember what I was making, but it wasn't very much. And, you know, you gave 10% to church. I mean, it's, it's give it to the Lord. And I tell you, throughout our life, it's been, it's been a discipline. We haven't always saved, but we have always tithed. You say, you know, give 10%, save 10%, and that's, we haven't always saved 10%, but we've always tithed. I'm not telling you to do something that, like, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. You'll learn to trust God. You'll learn to be generous if you do this. When you see a need, are you meeting the need? Or are you like, well, you know, the church should really do something about that. Well, welcome. You are the church. Form a team and do something about it. Are you participating in kingdom work? 
Man, be part of something bigger than you. I mean, you don't have to. You, you, can, you can consume if you want. You, you can choose to do that. You can choose to just show up and, and take. And we'll be here. But I'd invite you to something better than that. Show up and go all in with us. So God gave us each other, number one, for tribulation, persecution, so that we know we're not alone. Number two, for kingdom good, so we're serving together. Number three, for mutual encouragement. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. The patient endurance. Man, this is, this is really key to the book of Revelation that these seven churches are going to run the whole race, finish the whole thing, not give up when they get tired, not get distracted when they get tempted, not lay down and die when they're suffering, but they would run the whole race. They would stay in the fight, finish the race. This is really key, and the really key is they need to remember that they are not alone, that they are together. This is what I talked about, too, with Jesus sending out his disciples in pairs. I mean, he and Jesus traveling in company, and the Apostle Paul traveling in company, and not being alone, being with other people. I, I think of like, so I, when I read endurance, I can't help it, I think of running. So you're just going to have to bear with me a second as I talk about that. I've run a, a handful of marathons and a bunch of half marathons. And you think of running, maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you think of running as an individual sport. And there is something individual about it in the sense of you can't just cheat back on defense while your team plays offense and then just kind of, your team isn't going to carry you necessarily in a marathon. Like, you have to run every step of the race. You can't sub out in a marathon or a half marathon. You have to run every step. But... I can't think of a marathon I've run or a half marathon I've run where I didn't train with someone or meet someone at the race to, train, to run it with them. I say that to say, like, as individual of a sport as running is, I still didn't do it alone because I knew I'd do it better with someone else. So for a while I had one training partner and then he kind of drifted away and then it was my brother-in-law and then... He started doing ultras, and I wasn't going to do ultras, and I had little kids and couldn't do it. Then I had another training partner, and then another training partner. I've never run races by myself, because I run races better with other people. And I'm not just talking about races, I'm also talking about life. We do, um, the Christian life is both individual, like you have to walk every step of the Christian life, but you'll do it better if you have people waiting for you and counting on you and trusting you and you know that they're waiting on you and trusting you and you're trusting them and waiting on them. Like it's a mutual thing. This is what we're going to talk about with the churches of running the whole race, the patient endurance, the we are going to finish together as we talk about the series Conquer, where... The churches are called to not quit when things are hard, to not get distracted when there is temptation, to not just lay down and die when they're suffering. They're called to finish and to conquer. That's what's coming in a couple weeks. 
But this morning, I, I just want to come back to this question that we started with. What is your next step in partnering with, in partnering in kingdom work? So it might be getting to know someone so that you know you're not alone in, as you are persecuted for the faith. Like, start showing up for youth group. I know it's not convenient. Start showing up for youth group. Start, like, register for the men's retreat. Like, register for one of the women's events. Like, how, how are you going to say, I am not alone? What are you going to do about that? Join something or participate in some way in kingdom work, whether it's serving or giving. What is your next step in kingdom good? And third, you'll need this when you're tired or when you're distracted or when you want to quit, when you want to lay down and die and give up your faith. You'll be glad you have those relationships when you need them. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us run together, and Lord, that you would help us um, serve you and get to know each other and um, depend on each other, share in common with each other. Lord, help us live this truth. In Jesus' name, amen.